Greetings, Blind Faith Podcast listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Blind Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Craig C. Edgley Jr. And the title of today's episode is actually going to be a two-part series entitled uh, The Prodigal Son. A two-part series entitled The Prodigal Son. And so for today's episode, we'll do parts one, two, and three. And then in the next episode, we'll do parts four, five, and six. All right. So as we, the story of the prodigal son, and it can be found in the gospels. I won't read it in its entirety, uh, but you can refer to the scripture on the prodigal son in the book of Luke. One of the immediate things that stands out to me in this passage of scripture is that as Jesus tells this parable, he's talking about different types of sons. Now, he's not necessarily referring to individuals that are outside of the sonship of the father, uh, but in this particular parable, he's talking about individuals that are inside of the sonship of the father, and he's talking about how there are distinctions between individuals that are on the inside of the sonship of the father. And so as we look into this story, what stands out to me is that we have these typologies. We have this prodigal son, this, this son who, who takes prodigals, son, this son who takes the lavish, he, he, he lives that lavish lifestyle. He lives that extravagant lifestyle. Um, and then we have the son who is the, the obedient type of son, like the prodigy uh, or the prototypical son. And, and he lives a life of obedience and, and, and service to the father. And, and so you have two sons uh, with different characteristics, different traits, different uh, relationship statuses with the father. And so you have one son who is a rebellious son who, who is rebelling against the will of his father. And you have the other son who is an obedient son, obedient to the will of the father. You have one son who is lavish and, 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 and big spender and, and, you know, spending all the money and, and throwing dollars and, and not giving a care about uh, the father's wealth. And then you have the other son who is responsible and, and who is concerned and who is, has a, a good mind about doing the father's business with the wealth that the father has entrusted to him. You have one son who is short-sighted. He, he, he sees what happens the next day. He sees what happens in the next couple of hours, but he's not looking at what's gonna happen to him ultimately at the end of his journey. And then you have the other son who is more concerned with the end of the journey. And, and, and he's out working in the fields. He's out doing the father's business because he knows that in the end, it's, it's gonna pay off. That serving the father is gonna pay off. And so you have one son that's very short-sighted who wants to see immediate gratification. And you have the other son who's looking long-term and wants to look down the road. And, and he understands that if he continues to serve the father, that it'll pay off in the end. And in this story, what we're gonna find is that regardless of if you are the rebellious prodigal son, prodigal son, you are, are 
or you are the prototypical protege, the, the, the prodigy type son. You, you, regardless, both sons have their flaws. Both sons all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the, the prodigals are more evident in their sinful lifestyle. But the prodigies are also sinful. They just, they, you know, we, we, we do, we try our best to, to put on a suit and, and a tie and go to worship on Sunday. And we try our best to pay our tithes and, and we try our best to live right. Uh, but whether you are the prodigal son or the prodigy son, you all have sinned and come short of the father's uh, glory of his of, of deserving his 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 love of deserving his glory of deserving his mercy. We are all sinners, and 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 so this particular parable just gives us two types of different sinners. <laughs> you know, you got the sinner that that looks good on the outside. And still got some problems on the inside and you got the sinner who looks bad on the outside and is bad on the inside but either way it go we all have flaws and so the question that comes to mind is when we think about the prodigal son is what in the hell do you really want what in the hell do you really want? Because what I noticed about the prodigal son is that there is this feeling of entitlement that, that he, he feels like he's owed the, the share of the father's wealth. He's owed a share of the father's uh, uh, physical wealth. He, he, he's owed the father's blessings. He, he don't feel like, like he should have to stay under the umbrella of the father's grace and stay under the umbrella of the father's mercy or or be obedient to the father's will but he feels like just because he is a son that the father owes him a share of wealth and and his only desire is not a relationship with the father but but his his desire is to have the material possessions that the father can provide do you know some people like that? They don't want to have relationship. They want to have the substance, but they don't want the relationship. Boy, ain't that a trip? They want what you got, but they don't want to have anything to do with you. And that's how we treat God sometimes. We want what God has, but we, want, we don't want nothing to do with following the word of God or following the will of God or or aligning our lives with the way of God. We just want what God has. We don't want the spiritual connection with God. And, 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 and so as a result of wanting the blessing and not wanting the blessor, we take the blessing and we walk away from the blesser. And that's exactly what the prodigal son does. He, he takes the blessing from the father and he walks away and he goes off to a distant country. He, he say, that's this, he say, I want to watch God from a distance. I don't want to be close to God. I don't, I don't want to have a closeness with God. I don't want to walk in covenant with God. I don't want the relationship with God. I just want the blessings of God. <clears throat> 
I want the protection of God. I want the provision of God, but I don't want to, to have relationship, covenant relationship with God. And, and anytime we get into a situation like that, it's like we're almost trying to pimp God. We want all that we can get out of God, but we don't want any kind of connection, any kind of, we don't want to submit to the will of God. We don't want to be obedient to the will of God. We just want what we can get out of God. And so we come to church seeking what we can get instead of seeking who we can get. We come to church seeking what we can hold instead of thinking about who we can hold or, or who can hold us. And, and so we, we have this prodigal mindset, this lavish, uh, uh, big spender type mindset. And we want to escape the covenant relationship with God. We want to step outside well, when we escape the covenant relationship with God, what we must understand is that not only are we stepping outside of covenant relationship with God, but there is a grace space. There is a grace space in covenant relationship with God. There is a grace space. Notice how when, when Satan wanted to put his hands on Job, what did he have to ask God to do? He, he had to ask God to lift up the hedge. Because when I'm in covenant relationship with God, there is a hedge. There is always a hedge. Notice how God shrinks the hedge, but he doesn't lift the hedge fully up. When, he, when Satan asks to touch Job's children, Job's belongings, Job's property, Job, even to the point where he touched Job's flesh, God, he, he, he shrunk the hedge. But he never completely removed the hedge because as long as we're in covenant relationship with God, there is a hedge over our life. There is a grace space that is surrounding us, that is keeping us from dangers seen and unseen, from evil, hurt, harm, and danger. And, and when we come to the realization that we understand that, that having God is worth more than having material possessions, we'll be better off. If I have God, like, the, like our ancestors, the, the, the slaves, the, uh, those who had to deal with segregation, those even, even uh, those Jews over there in Holocaust, all those people who had God and didn't have nothing else. When you have God, and God is all you have, you find that God is all you need. When you have God and God is all you have, you will soon find out. <laughs> if you don't know by now, God is all you need. When everything else is gone, God is all we need. And so he runs off to this distant country, you know, trying to get some space in between him and the father. He don't want to be under the father's uh, uh, rules. He don't want to be obedient to the father. He don't want to be under the will of the father. Uh, but, but, but what you find out is that when you get outside of the gray space of God, <laughs> You find out that you ain't about that life, though. You, you ain't about that life, though. When you get outside the grace space of God, what you're going to soon realize is that you ain't about that life. You, you, for a while, it's going to look like it's fun, right? Uh, it, it's fun to squander away the wealth that God has entrusted to us. It, it's fun to go out to the clubs and, and pour it up, pour it up. It's fun to go out to the, uh, to the strip clubs and dollar bills. 
and, and make that money. It's fun to do all of the stuff we see on TV and all the stuff we see in the movies. It's fun to get uh, high and be on cloud nine, be as high as a kite, somebody might say. It's fun to get poured up, poured up and get drunk uh, and do all these lavish, fun, extravagant things with the wealth and resources that God has entrusted to us. But what you find out sooner or later is that you really ain't about that life. Uh, we can live wildly and, and, and live that wild life for a little while. But sooner or later, you realize you ain't about that life. Can you anticipate as we out there doing our own thing, living that wild life, that the famine is coming? Can you anticipate that the storms are coming? See, see, we, we, we fear submission to the will of God. But what we don't see is that when we come outside of the will of God, when we step outside of that submissive relationship with God, we, we expose ourselves to the elements. We expose ourselves to the dangers that lurk all around about us. We expose ourselves to those famines, those pestilences, those floods, those storms, and we have no covering. It's like being outside in a rainstorm without an umbrella. You have no covering. And now you realize that in the grace space of God, you were covered. Outside of the grace space of God, you feel the rain. <laughs> you feel the storm. You feel the elements. There's no covering over you anymore. When you walk outside of covenant relationship with God, there is no covering outside of the covenant relationship with God. We won't be protected from impending conflicts. And conflicts can come in the form of man versus nature, where there's a famine in the country that he's going to. Conflicts can come with man versus other, man versus man, where the people of the country won't even give him a handout, uh, send him to work with the pigs sent him to, 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 to slop the pigs. And he dreams about even having some of the pigs slop. So he has conflicts with man versus nature because there's a famine going on. He has conflicts with man versus man because nobody in the country where he is now gives a darn about who he is or what he is. And then he starts having conflicts within himself. And as he has conflict within himself, we move into this place where desperate times <laughs> call for desperate measures. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And so what he does is he begins to pimp himself out to the highest bidder. Ain't that a trip? You go from being a son in the house of the father where everything is provided for you, where you are treated like royalty, where you are treated like nothing less than the best until you go to this distant country outside of the, the Father's grace space, outside of the will of the Father, and now you have to pimp yourself out to the highest bidder just to make it. And then you got to fake it till you make it, they say. 
So he went from a place of affluence to a lifestyle of prostitution. He went from a place of prominence to a place of being pimped out to the highest bill. Ain't that a trip? Somebody say that the grass ain't always greener on the other side. And this is the problem with short-sighted looking at the world. This is the problem with the short-sightedness of our vision when we only see what's immediately in front of us and we can't see the impending dangers that lurk in the future, then we, we give way to, to, to the self-gratification. We give way to the gratification, the immediate gratification, but we, we can't see that the immediate gratification will cost us in the long run. Have you been there? You want the instant gratification, the immediate gratification, and at the end of the journey, you find out that that instant moment of happiness will cost you a lifetime of pain, hurt, and regret. And so he finds himself working and living amongst pigs. The thing most despised by his people, the thing that the Jews despise the most, he finds himself working and living right amongst them, working and living right amongst them, becoming one with the pigs, becoming one with the those that you said you wanted nothing to do with in the past, those who, who were beneath you, those who were below you, and now you have become one with them. You can't talk about the junkies no more because you are one. You can't talk about the addicts no more because you've become one. And so now you, in, in, instead of enjoying the affluent and prominent lifestyle that became with, with, with being obedient to the Father's will, and now you've become one with the pigs. Dreaming to just have pig status, if I could just fill my belly with the pods of the pigs. Dreaming just to have some of the slop from the pigs. Dreaming for a little bit of hope. Dreaming for some charity and generosity from those around you. Finding nothing but rejection and animosity. Finding nothing but hostility. Finding nothing but pain. Beloved, this is the life that we live when we're outside of the will of God. When we decide that we want the Father's wealth, but we want no covenant relationship with the Father. We've resorted to a lifestyle of the pigs. We, we, we've become one with the very individuals, the very things that we despised the most, now we have become one of them. The very thing that we preached against, now we have become one of them. All right, stay tuned. Uh, part two is coming up next. So I'm gonna stop it right there and uh, come back for part two.
All right, so welcome back to part two of the podcast. This is the Blind Faith Podcast, and I'm your host. I'm your host, Reverend Craig C. Esley Jr. And this is part two of the Prodigal Son series. All right, so we're going to do parts four, five, and six on this session of the podcast. And so uh, let's jump right in. Again, we're coming from uh, the Prodigal Son parable, as is told by Christ, recorded in the book of Luke. And So as we go into part four, I find it interesting that the pigs start preaching to this prodigal son. The pigs start preaching to this prodigal son. So what do the pigs have to say to this prodigal son? Well, the first things that the pigs begin to preach to this prodigal son is that they, they, they say, you don't look like us. You don't belong here with us. Why are you living like this? You should come to your senses. Have you ever been in a situation where you know you don't belong? In, in that place, you know you don't belong with those people. You know you don't belong doing the things that, that, that those people are doing, and yet you find yourself the, the son of the most rich and affluent father of all times, God. You find yourself in a situation with people that you don't belong with, doing things that you don't belong doing, in places that you don't belong being. And, and at some point, you've got to come to your senses. And, 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 and point number one, why we should come to our senses is because we got to come to the realization that there is a surplus just in serving God. There is a surplus in serving God. I'm reminded of the woman who, who was down to her last uh, uh, meal and, and her last little oil, and she was down to her very last, and, and the prophet Elijah came and visited her and told her that, that the oil would never run dry, and, and somehow she began to pour the oil, and, and before she knew it, she was pouring jars and jars and jars oil because there is a surplus in serving God. And, and, and when you get in the situation where you are in the place where you don't belong, with the people that you don't belong with, doing things that you don't belong doing, uh, one of the immediate things that ought to help you come to your senses is that you lack the surplus that you had when you were in covenant relationship with God. In covenant relationship with God, even when you're down to your last cake and your last oil, God has a way of taking a little bit and turning it into a whole lot. God has a way of doing something with a little bit that a million people couldn't do with a lot. And, and, and so there is a surplus in serving God. And, and, and the second thing that ought to help you come to your senses is that there is a way to escape the starvation of the world. 
there is a way to get out. The, the, the pigs ought to preach to you, hey, you're not obligated to live this pig life. You're not obligated to live like the pigs. You're not obligated to be in the pig places and you're not obligated to be with the pig people and you're not obligated to do the pig things. There is a way out of the pig life. And that way out is Jesus. There's a way out of the pig life. You don't have to live that pig life. You don't have to live off the pig pods. There is a way out. It comes down to a decision. It all comes down to a decision. It was a decision that you made that took you to the distant country outside of the grace space of the Father, out of covenant relationship with the Father. That was a decision that you made to walk outside of that covenant relationship with God. And so since a decision got you into the mess, it's going to take a decision to get you out of this mess. It comes down to a decision. We got to make a decision to get up. And then we got to make a decision to get out. You got to make a decision to get up out of the pig pen. And you got to make a decision to get out of that way of living. Uh, until you have made up your mind that you're not going to live that pig life no more. You'll forever be stuck dreaming of the pig pods, dreaming to fill your belly with the pig pods, dreaming like a pig, walking like a pig, talking like a pig, acting like a pig. But the moment that you decide to get up and turn away from that pig life and confess your sins, and humble yourself before the Father and not even request sonship, but just request to serve the Father one more time. Notice how the prodigal son, he, he didn't even want to request sonship. He said, <clears throat> at this point in my life, if I could just be a servant of my Father, there is a surplus just in serving God. I don't have to be the best servant. I don't have to be the most high servant, but if I can just get back to the status of being a servant of God, there's a surplus just in being a servant of God. There is a covering and a protecting and a protection just in service to God. As long as I'm walking on this earth serving God, I'm protected. As long as I'm walking on this earth serving God, I'm covered. As long as I'm walking on, on this earth serving God, I have everything I need. And so as it gets closer to the father, the second part of this sermon is that he, he, he realizes and what we can see is that all this time, even when he was a mess, he was God's beautiful mess. Even when he was in the club, pouring it up, God still remembered him. Even when he was out and about prostituting and, and, and doing all those different kinds of things, God still cared for him. God still loves us. God still loves me. God still 
loves you. And as messed up as we are, touch your neighbor and say, I'm God's mess. I might be a mess, but I'm God's though. I might be broken, but I'm God's. I, I might be disgusting, but I'm God's. I might be treacherous, but I'm God's. I belong to God. And as long as I belong to God, I'm God's mess. I, I may be a mess, but I'm God's mess. And so, even though you might still be a long way off in getting back to that covenant relationship with God that you used to have, understand that God has not forgotten about you. God has not discarded you. He's not tossed you aside. He still sees you. God sees you in your lowest hour. God sees you in your weakest moment. God sees you in your moments of despair. God sees you in your destitute times. God sees you when you don't feel like you deserve to be seen. God still sees you. When the world tells you that they don't see you, God sees you. When the world abandons you and ignores you and casts you aside, God sees you. When you're down to your last time, God sees you. When you're out and, and beat down, broke, busted, and disgusted, God still sees you. And God is filled with compassion for you. God still has compassion for you. As messed up and jacked up as you are, God still has compassion for you. He runs to us. Ain't that a trip? The creator of the universe, the maker of all things, the one who said, let there be light and the light existed. The one who sends the earth on its orbit 365 days around the sun, the, 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 the one who makes the sun to shine upon us, the one who holds the stars in the palm of his hands, the one who holds the earth in the, in the palm of his hands like a, like a handful of dust, he runs to us in our lowest hour. He runs to us. He throws his arms around us and lets us know that he has us. He kisses us. Ain't that something? I, I, because this is Jesus here telling this story. And Jesus says, when you come back to me, I'm gonna run to you. I'm gonna throw my arms around you and I'm going to kiss you as beat up and broke down and busted and disgusted as you are when you come back to me, when you confess your sins to me, when you humble yourself before me, and when you have a desire, a pure desire to serve me with all your heart, all your soul and all of your mind, I will run to you. I will throw my arms around you. I will kiss you. God is a gracious God. But he's looking for people who want to serve, who have a servant's heart, who have a desire to serve him. And if you could just get off your high horse for one moment, Humble yourself. Show repentance, true repentance. God will run to you, throw his arms around you, and kiss you. 
God will listen to your confession of sin. God will listen to your expression. He will see your expression of humility. He will see the sincerity of your heart. And God will cover and restore you. God will cover you with not just any old thing, but God will cover you with the best robe. God will put his ring, his signet ring on your finger. And God will cover your feet with sandals. The, the scripture says, come all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give us rest. I'm talking about uh, eternal rest. Peace for the tranquility of your soul. Peace for the tranquility of your body. Peace for the tranquility of your mind. God will give you rest. He will cover you with the best robe. Put his signet ring on your hand and cover your feet. Come, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and God will give you rest. Not only does he bring him, not only does he cover him, not only does he run to him, not only does he cover him, but then he celebrates him. God wants to celebrate you. God wants to say that, look at my dead child who has come back to life. Look at my resurrected child. My child was dead and now he is alive. Can you imagine a mother or a father sitting in the hospital room and the doctor says, I'm sorry to tell you, your child is dead. Imagine the pain, imagine the hurt, Imagine the anguish that that parent experiences. And then a miracle happens. And the child that was pronounced dead comes back to life. Rejoices. When we turn our life around and when we come back to him, because it's just like having a child that was dead that has come back to life. And so God celebrates our resurrection, but not only does he celebrate our resurrection, but then he celebrates our rescue and redemption. God says that my child was lost and now is found. And, and, and so when we look at those movies where there's this person who has been lost for days and weeks, and months and years, we, we see these amber alerts on all these children that have been lost for days and months, weeks, years. And then we see that moment where the parents get the call that the child that was lost has now been found. In that moment, can you imagine the celebratory? Can you imagine that? The, can, you, can you see why Jesus is saying, I got to go out and get the fatted calf. I, I got to go get the fatted calf because my boy who was lost 
And I had no idea where he was. My boy who was lost has now been found. As I come to my close, I want to touch on the very last part of this parable. The pitfalls of the prodigy. As I spoke at the beginning, I said that not only does the prodigal son has issues, but we also got to talk about the prodigy uh, because the prodigy had his issues within himself as well. And so what I want to say to the prodigies out there, those who have been serving in ministry, those who have been laboring out in the fields, those who have, have been sowing and reaping into the kingdom of God. Um, I, I want to make sure that we wrap our mind around the reason why God celebrates when we get drug dealers that come and give their life to Christ. Why God celebrates when we get pimps and prostitutes that come and give their life to Christ. Why God celebrates when we get criminals, muggers and robbers and rapists that come back and give their life to Christ. When we, why does God celebrate when we get the whoremongers and the, those wayward individuals that come back and give their life to Christ? They have not been laboring in the field. They have not been serving God the way that we've been serving God with the, for the amount of time that we've been serving God. But, but, but let's break this down real quick because this is something that, that we got to address within the church and within ourselves is that if nobody else sees what you do for the kingdom of God. God sees everything that you do, every time you tithe, every time you give an offering, every time you go to church, every time you pray, every time you sing a song of worship, every time you do an act of kindness, God sees everything that you're doing. Nothing that you're doing for God is going in vain. You might not see instant gratification for your service in the kingdom of God, but know that God sees everything that you're doing. And don't trip over the celebration of your brother. Because at some point, somebody celebrated you. And the fact that you're tripping over your brother mean that you still got some stuff on the inside of you that ain't perfect with God. You still got some flaws on the inside of you that ain't been made right with God. And so we can't trip on the celebration of our brothers. We, 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 we can't nitpick the failures and flaws of our brothers. We got to celebrate. Anytime somebody trying to get their life right with God, we got to celebrate them. Don't put nobody down when they're trying to get their life right with God. Because the truth be told, we all need to be trying to get our life right with God. And so the moment that you start judging your brother about his past flaws and failures, you got to take a look at yourself. The whole point of Christianity, the entire point of Christianity is to bring our brothers back safe and sound. If that's not the point of Christianity, then what the hell are we doing? If, if, if we are Christians with some other purpose other than to tell somebody about Jesus, other than to tell somebody, hey, you don't have to live that pig life. You can come and live a life of affluence and prominence as a son of God. If that's not what we're working for, what the hell are we working for as Christians? If we're not working to 
to, to help others to become Christians and to bring them in the fold and to, to allow them to experience the love of our Father God, <clears throat> what are we doing? <laughs> what are we working for if we're not working to help others to come to Christ? If we want to keep others on the outside so that we can have Christ all to ourselves, what are we doing? How can we refuse to celebrate our brother for finding the same Christ that we found, for needing the same Christ that we need, for loving the same Christ that we love? We're so quick to judge people because of what they've done instead of who they have found. Because if they found Christ, what they've done is trivial to who they have found. What are we working towards, guys? If we're not working to build up the body of Christ, if we're not working to evangelize and to edify and to exalt the name of God, what are we working for? Have we reduced God's favor? to what we can feel and what we can see? Have we reduced, have we really reduced God's favor to the clothes that we wear? Have we really reduced God's favor to the cars that we drive? Have we reduced God's favor to the houses that we live in? And, and, and if we don't see God's favor, then we're not favored by God. Have we reduced God's favor to a celebration? We need to be celebrated every time we do something in the kingdom of God. If that's the case, then we're not really worshiping God. We're worshiping what God can do for us. And, and, and so we, we didn't come full circle to the same thing that the prodigal son was doing. The prodigies are doing the same thing that the prodigals are doing. Because we're not worshiping God because of who he is, because he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The, 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 the creator of the universe, we begin to worship God because we want God to celebrate us and we want what God has. And now we've come full circle, same sin, different sinner. Isn't God's favor over your life enough? Isn't it enough just to know that God is with you in everything that you do, in every place that you go? Isn't it enough to know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and everything that dwell therein. And God has given us access through his, through his grace and through his mercy to all that he has. Isn't that enough? You ought to celebrate your brother's resurrection because at one point you had to celebrate your own resurrection. And you can't judge your brother because his, he was more sinful than you. <laughs> because God is not a respecter of the amount of sin that we've done. God makes no distinguishment between the little sinners and the big sinners. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. All have sinned and come short of God's requirement. We are all on this road to redemption. We all need to confess our sins. We all need to humble ourselves before the feet of God, we all need to get up and get out and go back to the Father. Get up, get out, and go back to the Father. Make a decision in your mind today to get up, 
get out and go back to the Father. You don't have to live that pig life no more. And when you see other folk getting up and getting out and leaving the pig life behind them, don't judge them, celebrate them. Celebrate them because at some point, somebody needed to celebrate you too. Celebrate your brother's road to redemption. Celebrate your brother's road to recovery. Celebrate that, that, that what was dead has come back to life. Celebrate that what was lost is now found. And that is the reason and the goal for this Christian race. That is the reason and the goal for our service. That is the reason why we work and labor in the kingdom of God. It's not about what we can get from God. It's not about having a celebration. It's not about having the fatted calf. It's about our brothers who are dead coming back to life. It's about our brothers who are lost that are being found. That's what this, this gospel is all about. That's what this, 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 this ministry, this Christian ministry is all about. And if it's about anything else, then we need to stop and take a look at ourselves. And I just thank God. I thank God that when we make a decision to get up and to get out and to go back to our Father, when we make a decision to confess our sins and humble ourselves and seek and desire nothing more than to serve God in his kingdom. God runs to us. He throws his arms around us. He kisses us. He embraces us. He's gracious. He's compassionate. We serve a compassionate God. We serve a gracious God. We serve a loving God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a faithful God. And if we get up, and we get out and we go back to our father. He will, he will run to us. And he will throw his arms around us and he will kiss us and put a ring on our finger and put a robe, the best robe on our backs. He will cover us again. Somebody ought to say, Lord, make me over again. Lord, make me over again. I know that I messed up. I know that I made mistakes. I know that I, I haven't always done things right by you. I know that I'm still messed up. I know that I'm still imperfect. I know that I'm still a failure. I know that I've made my mistakes. I know that I've not always done everything right. But Father, I stretch my hand to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, oh Lord, whether, whether shall I go? May the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.